security was always thinking detections and preventions. Remediation is a manual process, is a painful process. It's the customer's problem. It's not the tool problem ever. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. That's Merab Bahat, CEO at Daz. Now, Daz's byline says that they are a cloud remediation platform that accelerates cloud-native remediation and risk reduction for security and development teams. Yes, Daz is sponsoring the show, and yes, I have a normal rule about not letting sponsors on the mic, but guess what? I am bending the rule this time because Merov's story is a great one and because the Daz story is unique as well. Daz is a woman-led cybersecurity startup, and there just aren't enough of those out there. Out of 121 episodes, this is only the second time a woman CEO has been on my show, and I go out of my way to find diverse guests, so let that sink in for a moment. Now, for some additional context, Daz have completed their Series A round of funding, and they are on an excellent growth curve. They are, in other words, a company to watch. And speaking of companies to watch, this show is even more special than the Daz presence, because with us today is Mickey Bresman, CEO of Sempris. Sempris's byline is that they provide a comprehensive Active Directory and Azure AD cyber resilience platform supported by specialized AD incident response expertise. Full disclaimer, I am an advisor for Sempris. Uh, I believe in these guys. That's what that really means. Uh, Sempris is also on a good growth curve. They have completed their Series C round of funding. Uh, had I thought better about this show in advance, I would have found a Series B startup CEO and made it the ABC show. Uh, but no matter, this is an intimate conversation with two very capable leaders uh, who agreed to share their wisdom and their insights as they lead their teams to victory. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Mirov, I want to ask you first, in all your experiences as a startup CEO, what is the coolest thing that has happened? What I really love and, and really cool for me is that as a CEO and founder of a startup, you get to become, uh, to be part of an amazing uh, ecosystem and network of founders and VCs. And actually, it's even a network that uh, help you with the uh, peer mentorship. So I get to mentor people that are, you know, three years you know, earlier than us. And I get mentored by people that are three months, you know, older than I. And this is kind of cool. I mean, being part of this network. Now, personally, a cool thing that happened to me is that um, two months back, I was actually um, at the cover of the Forbes in Israel. That was really like a big honor and fun to see yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's super cool. Mickey, how about, how about you? What's your, what's your cool CEO story? So I think in terms of what is the coolest experience, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be one single thing, but I will say that during the time in Sempris, I got to meet some people that I was kind of remotely admiring during the years. So all of a sudden meeting them in person, having conversations, brainstorm ideas with some of them was really exciting. I literally, I don't know if it's, if it's a bit funny, but I literally walked to somebody uh, in the meeting that we were having. And then after the meeting, I told him that actually about probably over a dozen of years ago, I was following his blog post and was very excited that he's actually a real person that I could get him to meet in, 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 in 3D and so on. So that's definitely high on my list, meeting the different type of people. And then the other one, I don't know if, if you will call it the coolest, but and it might be in my little universe, but I think from my perspective, 
being in a situation where you can help a company come back after they've been encrypted end to end and have them run again, I personally find to be extremely cool. So, and since we do those kind of on a monthly basis, I still find every one of those extremely cool. I like that. I like that a lot. But both of y'all really emphasized community, which is interesting to me because the CISOs on my show always talk about the same thing, that forging this CISO community. You guys have got a CEO, VC, founder kind of community of, of your own, which is really exciting and cool to hear. So how about the biggest challenge? Mickey, we'll start with you. What is the b single biggest challenge you've faced as a startup CEO? I think that Sampras is one of those funny companies from, from a certain perspective where we were in my mind, too late and then also too early to the market at the same time. So that was always a challenge where how do you explain to people why what you're doing is actually relevant at the current time? And, and what I mean by that is that the system that we are walking around, the identity systems and so on, the same challenges existed 20 years ago, even more than that, to be honest. But when we were first talking about the issues about eight years ago, we keep on hearing that we're too late to the market because the systems have been around for so long. And I would say that only probably three, four years ago, all of a sudden we became relevant. <laughs> um, so the biggest challenge was how do you deal with the situation where you are both too early and too late to the market at the same time? Well, luckily for us, it all worked out, but it definitely was an interesting experience. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of all my experiences. Long before I was in security, I was a sysad. And, and I remember AD corruption becoming a thing and having to recover and restore. And this was many, 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 many years before ransomware, right? But, but ransomware has totally changed that story and accelerated those problems in a big way. Mirov, how about you guys? What's the biggest challenge you've faced over there? We have like two biggest challenges. I think the biggest challenge, like generally speaking, not specifically to cyber or what we do, is the people, right? You know, growing a company or thinking, you know, growing fast is always about having the right people on the right seats in, in the bus, right? So uh, so the first, you know, the first challenge is how you get the, the first five, right? And then of the best engineers, and then you want to grow to, you know, to start the go-to-market to, to get the sales team in the U.S. So like building that and always having the best people that kind of maintain an amazing culture, that's, I think, the top challenge. But Specifically regarding DAZ, um, when we started, we have like, you know, a couple of slides of like ideation idea of your remediation, cloud, cloud security remediation. We take all these issues from the different tools and we help organizations fix them fast. That was the vision. And then we were talking to uh, one of our customers, Mike Towers at Takeda, and he was, yeah, that's great. We want to buy that. And we had to, you know, start a design partnership, a POV without, you know, really have to, um, to really develop fast to be able to, you know, address a challenge of a, you know, global 500 organizations that already bought the product just for the slides. So that was a big one. And actually we um, really, the turnaround was really quick and that would, you know, help us, uh, you know, gain the market of the Fortune 500 customers, which is really amazing. Well, Mickey, does that, does that same challenge persist? You know, here you are at Series C, much larger team. Are you still uh, focused as a CEO on, on culture and, and the right hires, is it still the same drivers? 100%. I would say that even as the company grows, maintaining culture becomes a bigger chunk of, the, of what, where I spend my time because I think culture is the number one thing in every company. At the end of the day, every company is just a collection of people, and you want to make sure that those people have a reason to come and work together. 
And, and I know that in many companies, people say that culture is very critical to them. So in Sampus, we have this interesting situation where I don't recall who at the company came first with that, but we don't have a defined culture, meaning we, you won't find culture description on the wall because we don't write culture, we live culture. Um, and it's also funny how things change. When we were a much uh, smaller company, we used to say when asked what our culture, we had a certain way to explain it. Uh, but then at some point, HR came in and said, you are no longer in a position where you can use those terms. <laughs> so now we just um, have it as a culture as being nice to each other. You can imagine what was the opposite of being nice to each other that was don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a jerk. <laughs> That's, I was actually a bit more, but yeah. <laughs> I love but, that. Yeah, but for sure, as the company grows, the, the culture becomes even more critical to maintain. Yep. All right. So that is a lovely segue into my next question. And Merov, I'll start with you, which is tenets of leadership, right? Like like CEOs are the penultimate leaders in an organization, right? You you are the leader of the leaders of the leaders. And um, you've, you've got some sort of driving philosophies and tenets that sort of dictate your leadership style. What are your What are your top three? Yeah, so we, we talked about people. Definitely, this is a top one. Again, uh, we're at the moment about 100 people uh, in the company when we grew from zero to 100 in like uh, 18 months, right? So just think about, you know, how, how, you, how you grow, how you get the right leaders and all that. We talked about that. But this is always critical. Second is energy positivity, right? When you want to grow fast and you want to have the, set the higher bars, you, you know, there are always failures, right? You know, there are successes and little failures and like, but you always need to make sure that you're, you know, and, you know, going up the hill, right? You, you, the trend is going up. So the energy is something that leadership should create. It's like, like the energy to ignite this, uh, you know, amazing, amazing, you know, train, airplane, ship, whatever you're driving. And then um, custom, customer obsession, I think, has a lot to do with uh, how we started that, as I told you before. We really have some ideation and, and a concept that really resonated, and we had to build it fast. But we're disrupting a market. There was never a remediation platform. Security was always thinking detections and prevention. Remediation is a manual process, is a painful process. It's the customer's problem. It's not the tool problem ever. So thinking about, okay, let's build a remediation platform. What does it mean? It requires a lot of, you know, work, intimate work with the customers, right, to understand their challenges and to help them, you know, overcome them. So customer obsession for us, it's, it's, it's so critical. It's actually the essence of the, of the company. It's the listening, understanding the pain. It's being transparent of what we can do now, what we can do in the future, and actually building a partnership. So we're all in it together. We're going to change the world together. We're going to fix this problem together. And the last thing is, is focus, right? As a leader, like there are a lot of things that you need to do in the product and the people, and, but what comes first and focusing the team, uh, this is so critical. In order to grow fast, you really need to be narrow all the time, just narrow and grow with, uh, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, piece by piece, but not just try to boil the ocean and make everybody really frustrated because they cannot accomplish things. So focus is, is, is my fourth one. Right on. I like focus. Mickey, how about you? Um, first of all, I really like Mirav, Mirav's answers. It, it's very thoughtful. Um, mine is going to be much shorter. <laughs> just, uh, But uh, the first one is hire people that are better than you. This was always something that I was trying to do. My general approach is that 
at some point in the company's journey, I probably have done all of the different roles that we have, um, including I was the first QA engineer. I was, you know how it goes, right? So always trying to find people that will be better than you in every one of the things that you're doing was always a big chunk of what I was trying to achieve. We even had at some point when I was interviewing technical people, we had a very simple test. If I can ask you a few questions that I know the answer to and you don't, this is probably not going to work. Um, yeah, because after a few years, I don't see myself as the te most technical person in the company anymore. So if, if you cannot beat me, let's call it this way, then it's probably not the best, um, not going to be the best fit. The other one, the second one is going to be create a culture where everyone is heard. What I mean by that is that I don't want to be ever in a position where you have a more senior engineer in the room, less senior engineer in the room, and the less senior engineer feels that he or she cannot speak up because somebody more senior is in that room. So that was something that was always critical to me to make sure that I'm a CEO, you might be the CTO, or you might be the VP of whatever. If we have somebody in the room who have a better idea, we definitely need to make sure that this idea is heard and taking into consideration as if it was coming from any one of the other leaders. That was always a big thing as well because seniority does not mean that you have all the answers or all the ideas. I totally agree with you, Mickey. I think that, I mean, for me, leaving Microsoft, you know, I left Microsoft to start a company and what I didn't like is all the hierarchies and all that, right? You just get, I mean, Hierarchies are not important when you're building a startup. Everybody's equal. Just need to move uh, together. So I, I truly connect to that. Completely agree with you. I, I always told, tell people that CEO is yet another role in the company, and everybody have a role that they need to play, and that's about it. Um, so yeah, the third one, I'm gonna say, see the person behind your employee and your customer. What I mean by that is that, and and this becomes even harder when you when you go bigger. But I tried to get to a point where I know who the people are. I know, um, in many cases, what is their situation family-wise. I know what's their situation in terms of kind of seeing the person behind the, 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 the actual employee. And in some cases, it might be some personal stories that, that I need to be aware of then potentially. I would even say that, that with many of the employees that we have, at least from my perspective, I, I would like to think that we have became friends. So that and then and I think that that in as at the sequence sequence of that would be that potentially the employees also see our customers in the same way. So outside of the fact that you have a person, you have somebody that you're working with. And I can also say to your point, Alan, previously about the CISO community, I think one of the coolest things that happened to me during those years is that I have a CISO community now. I have a CISO community that I can bounce from ideas, I can ask them for feedback, and sometimes they will tell me that, that my idea is completely stupid, let's call it this way, and I will appreciate it because you get to that level of honesty only if you see the person behind the employee, the person behind the customer, and so on. Let's pause right there real quick for a word from our sponsor. Do you want to make cloud security risks a no-brainer and remove friction between your security and dev teams? Well, Daz takes the pain out of the cloud remediation process using automation and intelligence to discover, reduce, and fix security issues. Lightning fast. Daz prioritizes alerts, shrinks backlog to actionable root causes, and improves mean time to remediation from weeks to hours. And best of all, keeps your developers focused on what they love doing most, coding. 
Visit daz.io slash demo and see for yourself. That's D-A-Z-Z dot I-O slash demo. CEOs are responsible. To your point, it, it is another role in the company, but one of the tasks as I see it for a CEO is vision, driving vision, right? You guys are the ones who set that tone. You are the ones who walk in front of the whole team and say, this is where we are headed, you know, gesturing down the road and pointing to a specific hill, a specific target, a specific goal. So, Merov, I'll start with you. Um, what is what is the 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 impact and importance of vision in, in your leadership? Yeah, I think it's it's really huge. Um, I think the vision is important, you know, from all the aspects that we discussed before. It is important because it's uh it's kind of you know, when you want to build an organization and connect people to like, uh, it's, it's actually connecting united people for, you kind of believe and, and, you know, energized by this vision, right? So it's, you know, creates the energy of like, yeah, you know, the ups and downs, but still we have this vision, the North Star that we want to go and be. And second is also important really for, you know, for the focus, right? Because I, if that's our North Star, that's our vision, it kind of dictates what we do and we, what we don't do. I mean, sometimes, again, you know, we get distracted and maybe we should be this and be that, but no, that's not our vision. That's not where we're headed. So I think it's really like unify people, build a culture around it, get the right people around it, and, and also, you know, create the focus for the company. So I think it's really, really critical. And I, you know, I'm thinking back to my own startup experiences. I've done startups twice now myself. And I would argue that distraction is probably the number one enemy, right? Especially in the early stages where everything looks like a cool opportunity. Everything could be a potentially cool partnership. Everything could be a potentially cool new market. Everything could be a, and you have to really, really, really stick to that vision and say, no, we are not going to get distracted and go down these 18 forks on the road. We're staying down the main highway we've built for ourselves. It also is, by, by the way, like when, like to define competition, like, you know, it's not, not everybody's a competitor. Like, it's like, it's really a, de a defining moment to, to have the right vision. I love that. That's, it's important to keep that competitive landscape in mind for sure. Mickey, how about you? What's your take on vision and, and its role, you know, in your, in your CEO leadership? I love the idea of vision and I'm saying the idea of vision because I think, well, several things people really love to talk about vision and it sometimes can become a, a bit more of, of a double-edged sword because you're starting to focus on, th on something and kind of forget that the day-to-day the -day is sometimes is as important as well. And also in my mind, the vision is something that you definitely need to have as a North Star, but you should be able to adjust because the market might be changing, the environment might be changing, and then you need to, to kind of think, is my vision still what it should have been. So it's not something that I would say that you have to live and die by, but I completely agree with Mirav. A vision is something that helps us as a company to figure out, do we want to do something? And to your point previously, maybe even more so, what is it that we do not want to do? So we don't, because as, as you rightfully mentioned, as a startup, you have so many different opportunities that you come across and you always need to figure out what makes sense and what doesn't. So by having a, a a vision that is clearly defined. First of all, it allows you to think, are the things that I'm prioritizing, are they my long-term strategy? That's to me what the vision is actually created for. If I'm trying to think, where should I be putting the efforts of my resources? Because they're not endless, right? You have certain amount of resources in any given moment. Um, are those strategically helping me to get to what I refer to as a vision? But I will also be very, open and, and I would warn that 
vision might change over the years. So you should always rethink, is, is my vision still what I initially wanted to do? And if the environment have changed, you should be adopting the vision as well. And, and we actually rethinking or checking again if the, if the vision still applies every year. Um, luckily for us, the, the identity in the security space in, in, in terms of where we are was changing, but not as much. So we've made a few changes, but generally the North Star remain. I like it. I like it. And, and you know, we talked about the tenets of leadership a moment ago, and I'll, I'll share one of mine. And obviously, first, first and foremost is if family or medical emergencies occur, that is the priority, number one, no matter what. But barring those two kinds of circumstances, one of my mantras is mission first, team second, leader third, right? In other words, stay on mission, stay on mission, stay on mission, stay on mission. Take care of your team, take care of yourself last, right? Like I, I put the team before myself and I put the mission even before the team, barring those kinds of emergencies that might arise. So, so that kind of tells you where I'm at with mission. I think it's, I think it's the driver. I think it's number one. How about you, Mickey? I, I think before the, I think what you just before the mission. I think what you just mentioned is is an interesting observation that I had. I have several employees that I had to force to take time off because they basically saw that they keep on going and they're not stopping. So, to your point before, the family first and so on, to make sure that that you you are aware of of what people are doing. Because sometimes, and, and I, I mean, I'm definitely guilty in that, sometimes we get caught into doing something and it's very important, it's very exciting what we do and I completely get it. But you also need at some point to just take a break and go do something else, go pay attention to yourself. Um, so 100% with you on that one. To the definition of, of what is the purpose of mission, um, I think mission is actually a very critical piece of, in the company. I would say that mission is probably even more important than the vision. Because in my mind, the mission is basically what defines the reason of why do we do what we do? Why are we here? Why are we spending our energy in this place as opposed to, to Mirai's point before, why we're not at Microsoft as an example? And I think having a mission in the company is critical. Um, in our case, the mission is being a force for good. And that's basically defined everything that we do. Because for us, being a force for good, and it started with helping companies that are going through a cyber event without asking questions, meaning, first of all, you help, only then you start any questions. But what happened in the long run was that uh, I had employees starting to adopt the mission of being a force for good into different aspects. So all of a sudden, we, we had employees that had it towards their communities, which we really encourage, and we now have it as a more structured way. So if you want to go and distribute food for the homeless, as an example, that would be part of our mission because it's again ties into being a force for good. Um, one interesting story is that we had several of our employees created models of stars that they took to um, kids that are they're not exactly blind, but they're not seeing too well. Sorry if I don't know what the exact term to use here, but they've never seen the moon. They have never seen other stars. So taking that into them so they can touch it and now understand what is the surface of the moon looks like, so-called, that is part of, of our mission. And I think the mission at the end of the day will also tie into what is your culture. So the combination of clearly defined mission and where you're taking it will define everything else in your company. I love that. Merov, your take on mission. Yeah, first of all, beautiful. I learned a lot from this answer. Um, I mean... Uh, yeah, I think that uh, mission is definitely critical, and it's uh, you know when when you know 
when, when we think about why we started DAS or, you know, why, why are we doing remediation? So it became, you know, it's Tomer Yuval and I as we co-founders, we didn't want to build yet another security product. We, we really want, you know, what we build to, to change the world of security and engineering and make security simple and actionable. Now, that's a big thing, right? You know, what's simple, what's actionable, how do you define that? But but that that was really for us, you know, you know why we started Daz and why we didn't just you know you know stayed where we where, where we were. We wanted to do something different. And the problem of remediation, I think, the power of a mission, right, is this you know this solving this problem is really hard. Like, how do you do remediation? How do you automate that? And um, so my co-founders thought that that's really undoable because nobody done that before. But again, the power of mission is that you, when you really believe that that's what you need to do, is that you find the way to solve it. So I think that's the power of mission. Like it's really doing the undoable and uh, really proud of the team that did that. I couldn't have done it myself, by the way. Like you have a very strong co-founder and technical team that actually help us solve this uh, problem. But, but really, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, the reason why people join us, the reason why, what motivates them. I really agree here with Mickey that this has a, a big power and and also like that's what you know also connected us to be more empathetic to the engineering like it's not just security let's make it simple for engineering let's be the product that is easy to deploy easy to work with like it really defines a lot of you know the the, the the decisions that we make around the product and the company so again and we're just at the beginning so hopefully it will also take us to the places of you know you know doing good and and making security important and simple for everybody I guess my last question for both of y'all, Mira, we'll start with you. Um, there's a lot of CISOs that cross over, that become founders. Um, and a lot of them end up being CTOs or a lot of them end up being CEOs. There's a lot of folks in my camp who, who are aspiring founders and, and want to go lead a startup. So what is your best advice uh, for those who want to become a startup CEO? Yeah, so first of all, you need to have the passion. Like you really have you because it's a it's a long journey. There's a lot of ups and downs, and like there's a lot like it's a high risk. I mean, people just look at the at the newspaper, see you know all the exits and all people making a lot of money, but that shouldn't be the motivation because you know because most I mean it's a risky business. Most companies don't make it right, um, so it should be a lot of passion and uh, and more importantly is the team. The founding team is really critical when you want to start a startup. Like it's not about the idea, it's not about the market. It's really about a strong team that you feel that you know you want to spend a lot of time with them. You want to you know have them like a family. Uh, you actually spend more time with them than your family. And uh, co-founders are you know a supporting system. It's the people that can take you know you know as Piki said you know you have a vision you want to go that direction the market doesn't adopt it you maybe need to change it so that's a team that makes it you know then doable doable right and and you know help you get to where you want to be um so team is is everything passion and team i think that would be my uh, my advice to anybody who wants to start to start a company i think that Mirav covered it perfectly i think it's if you're passionate about something and you really see a big pain that you want to solve then make sure that you have the right team to start with because it's going to be ups and downs. So you need to have somebody that can help and, and will be there with you. And going back to my previous point, hopefully better than you and everything else that, that they're doing. Um, the one thing that I would, I would maybe add, I had a, a call with, with the CISO actually, 
I want to say about three, four weeks ago that was thinking about starting his own company. And he had this idea of he potentially needs to join another company to help them go and, and do some selling because they've never sold things before. And I actually told him that, yes, you can do that. But honestly, I think it's a waste of time. If you're really passionate about something and you have the right team around you, just go and do it. There is no, it's not that you're going to do three more roles and then you'll be ready to be a startup CEO. It's, it's no, it's never going to be, I just need to do this thing and I'm be prepared. Um, you, you will never be prepared. Things will ever always happen. Things will always change. That's just the reality. But be, make sure that you are, you know what, I'm going to finish with the cyber term. Make sure that you are resilient because things are going to be changing and make sure that you are prepared. I like that. I like both of those answers. That's really cool. And I, and, and thank you for that advice, Mickey, because my, you know, my last startup, I, I deliberately started wearing all the hats they would let me wear. I even ran marketing for five months. Like I was, I was doing that thing. I was trying like, I have to learn this and I have to learn that. And I have to learn the other, because one day I'm going to be a founder. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think I overdid it, um, overcommitted, stretched myself too thin. And, uh, I could have used that advice, uh, two years ago. <laughs> So, all right, guys, we're, we're at the end of the show. And what I'm going to do is open the floor and let uh, both of y'all, we'll start, we'll start with Mickey. Um, anything you want to say, anything you want to plug, you want to give a reference to Sempris, just whatever last piece of advice or anything you want to say for the, for the listeners. No, it was great being here. I appreciate the opportunity and, and great seeing you all. Marov, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, just to sum up, I think, uh, the time is now if you want to start a company. There's no, I mean, talking about, you know, down markets, up markets. We started a company at the third wave of uh, COVID. When you have the passion, when you really want to do it, when you have the right team, that's the time. Thank you so much, both of you all, for coming here. Uh, Mara from Daz, Mickey from Sempras. Thank you both so much for sharing your CEO insights and wisdom. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.